Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. Listen, if I've never had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Quentin. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. Welcome to the Anchor. I want to pray. Just send our hearts in, and then we're going to jump in. Amen. So, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we're here because of you, God, of what you've done in our lives. And so, Lord, we honor you. God, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for who you are in our lives. Lord, we just uh, make the decision this moment to prepare our hearts for the word. Lord, we believe you have something directly that you want to say to us. Lord, we don't believe, not even for a second, that we're here by accident. But, God, we believe every time we come into your house, there's something, God, that you want to say to us. And so, Lord, we come hungry today. We come with faith today. And we thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to begin a a new seven-part series entitled Decisions. Now, in full disclosure, I want you to know the inspiration behind this series comes from one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's titled The Traveler's Gift, and it's by Andy Andrews. This is the book. And if I can, just for a moment, to kind of give you a brief glimpse, a brief account of how this book came to pass. Um, Rewind a few decades. Like many people, Andy grew up in a middle-class Uh, home with loving parents, grew up in a Christian home, but all that changed when he was 19 years old, when his mom died of cancer, and then his father, three months later, got killed in a car accident. And so at a very young age, you know, at really due to no choice of his own, with no relatives lean on, Andy was left homeless. And in Andy's own words, speaking of that season's life, he said, I had no home, no car, no job, and seemingly no purpose. So as you can expect from a young man in that really, really difficult situation, he was broken, he was confused, and maybe most of all, he was just angry at God. And the reason was, is because of his mind, everything that he lost, everyone he had lost, it was because of God. It was God's fault. And so to survive, you know, basically started doing odd and end jobs. He started cleaning fish, started washing boats, uh, just to make a little bit of money so he could eat. And uh, so something really interesting happened. I don't want you to miss this is since he had lots of time, he started going to the library, and that's when his adversity became an opportunity. See, over the next couple of years, Andy read somewhere between two to 300 biographies and autobiographies of influential people that in their own unique way changed the world. And to put it in Andy's words, he said this. He said, some of these individuals amassed great fortunes, but money wasn't what inspired me about them. I wanted to find people who enjoyed contentment, happiness, and success in life as parents, friends, business owners, or leaders. And then he went on to make this powerful statement. He said, somewhere in that library, my self-pity turned to passion. I was on a mission to find out how they did it, how they became successful. And so what happened is, is without heart posture, he began to discover something pretty neat. As he read those two to 300 books, he saw these seven common denominators that appeared to be woven in through basically like a thread in each of those individuals' lives that he realized that made them successful. And so he later referred to those common denominators as the seven decisions. 
And so something really cool happened at that point is, is I think Andy did something really courageous. He, he decided to implement those decisions or those principles into his daily life as an experiment to see if it would work for him. In other words, he thought in his mind, man, if maybe if I just commit myself to those seven principles, it could turn my life around like it turned those people's life around, and I too can become successful. Now, fast forward a few decades, there's no doubt it worked, okay? That's why I'm talking about him right now, right? But here's what's neat. As I've read and reread and reread and reread that book, the thing that always stands out to me the most is this, is how all seven of those decisions or principles, they're all really just foundational truths that, of what it means to really just be a Christian, which in my opinion explains why Andy's life has become a testimony of what God can do when a person decides to live according to the word. And so with that said, I'm just reminded this morning, and I want to tell you, like, does the Bible not say that, that God isn't a respecter of persons? So in my thought, it's just simply this. If God did it for Andy, why wouldn't he do it for us? So I want to encourage you over the next, not just today, but over the next seven weeks, to lean in because I believe God has something for you. Amen? All right, so as we jump into this, I want to begin by taking a few minutes to remind us of what a decision really is. See, the word, according to the dictionary, decision means, it means the act of making up one's mind. The act of making up one's mind, it describes a person who has determination. It describes a person who is settled in their thinking, a person who has reached a conclusion. In other words, they know what they're going after. Now, we all know on the flip side, the opposite of a decision is indecision, which describes a person who consistently hesitates, wavers, or vacillates between different opinions. We would typically refer to a person that's like that as being indecisive as someone who can't make up their mind. Now, what I want to do, and this may be a really silly example, but it's easily understood. I want to show you the difference between basically a person who has a, a made-up mind and a person who can't make up their mind. So take a person like this. Let me show you a picture. So here's a person who has clearly made up their mind to consistently do whatever it takes through proper eating habits and exercise to physically be who they want to be. Now, let me tell you what just happened in the room. You ladies are trying not to lust, and, and you fellas, like envy and jealousy just rose up in your heart, right? I feel it. I, I felt it in the spirit, all right? So watch this. And then in contrast... You have the rest of us, right? <laughs> Look, who we are certainly fascinated by and even jealous of that other fellow, but for some reason, we just can't stop ourselves from vacillating between working out and binge-watching Netflix, right? We, can't, we keep vacillating between eating a salad or the entire box of Little Debbie cakes. So, and we wonder just like, why can't I get the results that I'm looking for, right? We just can't figure it out. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not rocket science, Okay, it's our indecision that keeps many of us uh, from becoming someone different than who we currently are. Now, obviously, this example doesn't only apply to our physical health, right? That's, once again, just a silly example. But, but it also applies to our mental, our emotional, and our relational, and our spiritual health as well. So whether we realize or not, our indecisiveness in all four of those areas consistently keep us from becoming, once again, someone different than who we currently are. So on that note, I want to read a simple verse to you just so you know what the Bible says about an indecisive person. It comes from the book of James. It says this. It says, but when you ask him, 
Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Do not waver. For a person with a divided loyalty is as as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable, or we could say they are indecisive in everything they do. So here's the point I want to make, just off the top, is the only way that you and I will ever become who God has called us to be is by making the decision to stop vacillating between two and three and four different opinions, right? So that, here's why it's important, that we make up our minds so that we can live our lives according to the Bible and the principles that we find in it, amen? That's where life change and transformation happens, yeah? All right, so with that said, I believe the first foundational decision that we need to talk about is this, is that you and I need to take responsibility for where we currently are at in life. Let me say that again, that you and I need to take responsibility for where we are currently at in life. Now, this means that we need to accept the reality that our decisions and our decisions alone have led us right where we're at today. Listen, in every area of our lives. Y'all are getting quiet. Now, when I say that, I fully understand that taking personal responsibility isn't popular in the culture we live in. Like, it's like everywhere you and I turn, man, somebody's blaming or pointing the finger at someone else for their problems, for their circumstances, for their issues, for their sins, or their position in life, right? So, so it's like this. You know, all it takes, turn on the TV, have a conversation, go on Facebook, go on YouTube, whatever you want to do. It's like all around, man, it's the president's fault. It's this or that political party's fault. It's the economy's fault. It's the cop's fault. It's this ethnic group's fault. It's their boss's fault. It's someone they work with, right? It's the teacher at school. It's another classmate. It's the coach. It's the church. It's the pastor, right? It's their ex-wife. It's their ex-husband. It's the divorce's fault. It's their current spouse's fault. It's their parents' fault. It's their children's fault. It's the extended family's fault. Are you getting it yet? Look, it's their Enneagram number with its wing whatever's fault, right? <laughs> It's their background, it's their education, right? The lack of it, it's the lack of opportunity, it's that dramatic event that happened in the past. Like the list goes on and on and on. Maybe you haven't noticed it, but man, I keep seeing again and again and again that it's always someone or something else's fault. It's never their fault. And because it's never their fault, they refuse to take ownership of their actions or their reactions. Somebody say, preach, preacher. That's truth, right? So, listen, we're all smart enough to know that this isn't anything new because the Bible tells us this in Genesis chapter 3. We know this is after Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. God rolls in the garden, and here's what he asks. He says, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12 says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Please notice that Adam gets busted and his immediate response is not only blame Eve, but then he turns around and has the audacity to blame God for giving him Eve. Like, that's bold, right? And then verse 13 says this, Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? Watch Eve's response. 
The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate. In, in short, what happens is both of them are saying, God, it's not my fault. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally find it interesting that when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve didn't blaspheme God's name. They didn't murder anybody. They didn't steal anything. They didn't commit adultery, right? They didn't commit what most of us in this room would call quote-unquote sin. They simply hid from God, and once they were confronted, they refused to own up to their actions. See, they refused to take responsibility, and this should tell you and I that when we choose to blame someone else, it's not only a byproduct of the fall of man, but it's actually sin. Like, did you hear that? Like, when we blame something or when we blame someone for where we're currently at, it is sin, according to the Bible. Now, I think it's important for us to understand that once Adam and Eve did this, like, it started this trend, like a snowball effect. You see it, Genesis 16, uh, basically after Sarai, she told Abram, Hey, go sleep with Hagar so we can get that child. And then after he did it, what'd she do? She blamed him for it. Help me, Jesus. Right? Like, wrap your head around that one. In Genesis 27, after Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup, he blamed Jacob for it. In Exodus 32, after Aaron made a golden calf, what did he do? He blamed Moses. If you wouldn't have been up on that mountain and if these people wouldn't have pressured me, I wouldn't have done it. Fast forward to 1 Samuel 15, after King Saul you know, refused to kill all the Malachites as the Lord commanded. What did he do? He blamed the people for his disobedience. You see, each of these biblical examples, and I could give you more, but group them in along with all the things that we're currently seeing in our culture, right? Like it proves how much, you know, this sin nature still has a grip on our lives. And not only in the world, but also in the church. Yes. So I repeat. The only way we will ever become who God's called us to be is by making a decision to take responsibility for where we are currently at. Now, if I can put that to you another way, just because I'm hoping this sticks, I would say it this way, that if you and I actually want to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring, then we need to stop passing the buck. We need to stop passing the buck. Now, now maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, I don't even know what that means. Let me give you some, some background real quick so you know what it means. Uh, this, this phrase, passing the buck, it originated in the late 1800s with the card game poker. And, and what happened was is, is that in the frontier days, players became highly suspicious of other players for cheating. And so it wasn't uncommon. We've all seen movies. We've all read books. It wasn't uncommon for, for a shootout to happen in the street because somebody accused somebody of dirty, dirty dealing, right? In other words, you cheated, right? So I'm going to shoot you, right? So in order to avoid dirty dealing, a practice was adopted, and it was this is that the responsibility for dealing the cards would be rotated around the table after each hand that was played. Like we've done that how many times playing games, right? That's where it originated. So basically to keep up with, you know, whose turn it was to deal with, this marker was designated to show whose turn it actually was. And in many cases, the marker was nothing but a knife. And we know in those days, a lot of times the, the grip of a knife was actually made of a, of a deer, a buck's horn. And so that's where we get the term buck knife, right? So hence the marker became known as the buck. So when the dealer's turn was done, he would simply pass the buck. Am I making sense? Or pass the responsibility to the next player. Now over time, fast forward, that phrase, passing the buck, came to mean this. That I'm transferring responsibility or I'm transferring blame from myself onto another because I'm denying responsibility for that circumstance or that action. 
Now, fast forward again in history, that phrase later became popular by President Harry Truman when he promised the American people that he would not pass the buck to anyone else, but he would accept personal responsibility as the leader of the nation. And interesting enough, Truman actually reminded himself of this promise by placing a small sign or placard on his desk that simply read, the buck stops here. It was his way of telling himself again and again and again that responsibility didn't pass beyond that point. Great leadership, right? So over time, and I said all that to kind of get to this point, over time, the buck stops here came to me simply this, is that we don't give an excuse for what happened. No excuses. Now, with all that said, in spite of what may be deemed as acceptable in our day, I believe God wants you and I as God's people to be different. He wants us to be different than this world, right? And so I believe that he wants us to actually embrace a heart posture that says that we are deciding that we will no longer pass the buck, that the buck stops here. And so in doing so, what happens today, people, and this decision we got to make, is that we'll no longer make an excuse for our current situation For our background, how often have we heard that one? For our behavior or our personality, that we no longer make excuses for our actions or reactions, that we no longer make excuses for our thought life, that we no longer make excuses for our words or the tone behind our words, that we no longer make excuses for our emotions or our attitudes, and we no longer make excuses for the health of our relationships or even our finances, Right? That, that we no longer make an excuse for the insecurities that we have or the baggage that we have. And we definitely don't make excuses for our walk with God. I want to pause there for a minute because I simply want to say this. Every person in this room, including me, we have as much of Jesus as we want at this moment. You understand that? Like you and I have as much knowledge of this book right here as we want to have is the, the knowledge that we have is a reflection of how much we've wanted to know God, right? Our prayer life, as deep as it is or as shallow it may be, it's the prayer life that we want because we're the only ones that can change it. So I have to accept responsibility and not make excuses for where I'm at with Jesus. It's nobody else's fault. Amen. And the last thing I want to say in this area is this, and I realize this one might be hard to swallow but, but I believe, yes, that God no longer wants us to make excuses for our past. He doesn't want us to make excuses for the things we've done or the things that have been done to us. See, the point is this, is that we acknowledge that he wants us to be mature enough to own all these things. Y'all get that? That he wants you to be mature enough in him that you own all of that. And the reason is, is because when we take ownership of every area of our lives, it means we're willing to be accountable for it. Like, y'all do realize that when there's a day that's coming, if you're right with God, you shouldn't fear it. But there's a day that's coming that we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to have to give account for our life. Do you realize at that moment that our excuses of where we're at based off this person, that circumstance don't really matter, right? Nobody's going to be standing there with you. You're not going to be able to stand to go, well, it's Joe's fault. If your name's Joe, I'm sorry. All right, so let me say this. When I, when I say all that, I, I can hear someone say this, but you don't know what happened to me. And I want you to know you're right. I'm not going to argue with that. 
okay? Listen, I, I don't know what took place in your life, and I don't know what someone did or what someone didn't do in your life, and I don't know how, you know, some, some dramatic event, uh, how it may have impacted your life and changed your circumstances at this point. I, I really don't know, okay? And, and to be honest with you, even in prayer this morning, I felt this tension between this is that I know there's people in the room that you need a, you need a little help, okay? And there's people in the room that you need help with a hug. Like, I recognize that, but I got to trust the Holy Spirit to do that and to do that, okay? And, and so, so let me say this. Even though I may not know what took place in your life totally, the things that you point at, things maybe you blame, the things that maybe you hold on to excuses or whatever, I, I am certain of this. And that's this, is that there's not a single person in this room who hasn't been handed a raw deal somewhere in their life. Like, if there's anything that we have in common in this room, is man, that life is hard. Right? And so, listen, so I'm not being misunderstood. I'm not suggesting anyone to be accountable for someone else's mistakes, someone else's shortcomings, or someone else's sin. That's between them and God. And I'm not asking you to be somehow accountable for some traumatic thing that happened to you. A lot of times stuff happened to us when we were kids that wrecks us. That, that I'm not asking you to be accountable for that, okay? That once again, that's between, that's between whoever and God, okay? But, but what I am suggesting is this, is that God wants us to take responsibility for how we have responded with whatever took place. Does that make sense? Here's why. Because it doesn't really matter how bad things have ever been. No one can ever make us respond in a certain way. So if we responded in a positive way or if we responded in a negative way, the reality is at the end of the day, it was our choice. That's what I want you to hear, okay? Now, there's this old quote that, that I've had to remind myself from time to time over the last, whatever, few, few decades of life since I've heard it. And, um, and so you've heard me say it before, but it's this. It's simply that life is 10% of what happens to you the other 90% is what you do with life. Listen, we all got a 10%, but we have a choice of what we do with the 90%. And I don't know about you, but, but I have to consistently remind myself of that 90% because that 10% will, and it has in my own life, choked the life out of me before, and I hate being there. Can I hear an amen there? All right, so to sort of start descending so we can land this, uh, I want to give you a couple reasons why it works out for our benefit when we take responsibility. Why it works for our benefit when we take responsibility. So for starters, number one, when we accept responsibility for the past, it allows us to repent. Now, please, whatever you do, don't blow me off and think, okay, that doesn't really hold any weight. Hear me out for a minute. I believe that when we're constantly pointing the finger at other people and blaming some unfavorable circumstance that we've been through, listen, that we will never be able to see how we've potentially responded in an unhealthy way. In other words, someone could have hurt us and devastated us, and we're so focused on that, we, we don't ever give credence and really room for God to actually show us how we responded to him, if it was right or if it was wrong. Am I making sense? So, but listen, I just think if we actually pause long enough and allow God to speak into those areas, really where we're, where we're maybe frustrated, angry, or where we're hurt, right, offended, whatever it is, then guess what? We can allow him to speak and tell us maybe where our heart's off, even if it's just in a slight little way. 
Like, and what happens is when we give God that opportunity, it opens up the door for mercy to step into our lives. Like, you do understand that when you blame everybody else, point the finger at everybody else, you shut the door of mercy in your life. Right, but what happens is, is when you acknowledge your part and you repent for your part, and you simply say this, God, forgive me, guess what? Forgiveness comes, and he makes you pure again. The only, the only analogy I can give you is kind of imagine if it's a, a small stream that's coming down and it's super muddy, to understand that, that that's the bitterness and the offense and the hurt in life. But when you lock into Jesus and begin to speak, that water begins to be clear. The poison begins to come out. The bitterness begins to come out. of, And you have a pure heart towards God where you can actually interact with him and have intimacy with him. All that other stuff's just getting in the way. So, for example, think about King David for a moment. Once again, we're talking about blaming people. Notice that he never said, God, if Bathsheba wouldn't have been sitting on that roof bathing, then I would have never committed adultery. It's her fault. Did he say that? No, the Bible says when Nathan confronted him, he said, against you and you alone have I sinned, O God. Right? And what did he find on the other side of repentance? Once again, he found mercy, right? And here's what's so awesome is, is after he died, God said this. This is the testimony that he gave David, that he's a man after my own heart. Now, what blows my mind about this is here's a guy who was an awful father. He made some huge blunders leading a nation was he God's anointed? Yes, all that. He had the gifts. He had all that. But he made some huge mistakes. But the reason God could say at the end of his life, you're a man after my own heart, is because he stayed humble and he knew how to repent when he blew it. Amen? Secondly, when we accept responsibility for our past, it actually allows us to be healed. Once again, if we're putting all of our attention on blaming the other person or situations causing us pain, guess what? If we're so focused there, we'll never look to God who can actually heal us. That you and I, by actually blaming and pointing the finger at this circumstance, that we actually cut off the power of God in our own lives. So, for example, think about it like this. How, how many people do you think this morning that walked into church that are hurt, that are wounded, that are offended, and that are bitter all across America? A lot of people, right? Here's where my mind goes. Why are they that way? <laughs> right? Is it because God has denied them the healing he promised through the cross? Like, let that sink in. Like, if, if you're hurt, if you're offended, if you're wounded, why are you still that way? Is it because God's denying you the healing that he promised you on the cross? No. The reason so many of us remain in that place is because we've decided to give our pain more power than the cross. Like, how do I know that? Please hear me. Because that's what we talk about all the time. Listen, I've been here for years. And I know people well enough, and I know how it rolls. Like, I, I know some people in the room, and I've known you so well that I can actually tell you the conversation that you're going to have with somebody the next time you meet them. I know what you're going to say, right? Because every time you have a chance to tell somebody something, you're going to tell them. And it kind of goes like this. This is what happened in that relationship. This is what happened in that church, right? This is what they did to me over there. This is what my parents did then. This is what they didn't do then, right? This happened in my last job. Am I making sense? It's like what happens is, is we, we, we throw the old VHS in there, we hit play, and we let them watch it. And what we don't realize when we're doing that, we just keep feeding the pain. Right? Like, like it started off pretty little, but man, after 20 years, man, that thing's so big, it's dominating our lives. Our pain is our master. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want to make you a promise. Here's the promise. 
is that there is nothing in your life that God can't heal and restore. Not a single thing that he can't turn around for your good. That's a promise in the Bible, right? So listen, I can tell you from personal experience, once again, I've had the 10% too, but I can tell you if, you, if you're willing to give him your pain, he will release healing. He will, right? So it may, it may not happen instantly or it may happen instantly. But if it doesn't happen instantly, keep giving it to him. Keep giving. Every time it comes up, give it to him. Comes up, give it to him. Every time, give, give it to him. And I'm going to tell you, let me, I didn't say this last service, but watch this. Every time the Holy Spirit goes, check, 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 don't say it, don't say it. Don't feed it, right? And so what will happen is, is once again, if you, keep, if you keep giving it to him, his word will be fulfilled in your life. He can make you whole. Amen? Thirdly, when we accept responsibility for our past, it actually allows us to grow. I know this is so simple. It allows us to grow. So, but, but we have to think this morning, like, what's the goal in this life? Is the goal as Christians not to, man, to be transformed into the image of Jesus? Like, we're supposed to be becoming more like him. Yes? So the question has to be is, how can we become more like Jesus when all of our attention and all of our focus is on how everybody else needs to change? Because that's what we're saying when we blame people and when we point the finger. They need to change there. Right? And I just think this, man. If we want to be transformed, we need to stop trying to be the Holy Spirit spotlight for everybody else's shortcomings. Here, let me say how I need to say it. If we want to be transformed, then maybe we need to stop trying to be our husband's spotlight for all of his issues. If we want to be transformed, maybe... We need to quit trying to be the Holy Ghost spotlight for our wife. Listen, maybe we need to stop doing that, and we need to start taking a really, really long look in the mirror at ourselves and let God speak. So remember what Paul said, Romans 12, 2. Very familiar passage, but a little brief portion of it. He said this, but let God transform who? You. Somebody say you. you. But let God transform you into a new person. Gang, it's never been our responsibility to tell everyone else how they need to be changed. Some of y'all are not believing me today. Listen, here's the truth, and this might sound salty, but I'm trying to help you. When I hear someone who's always blaming other people for their issues, all I hear is a person who lacks self-awareness. When I sit down with a couple, and this guy is, this, 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 this is wrong with my wife, or this, 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 this is wrong with my husband, or this, 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 this is what's wrong with my boss, this, 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 what's wrong in the situation. I see somebody that lacks self-awareness. Now, some of that is probably true, but what happens is, is, is in the midst of that, when we're so focused there, we become blind to our own weaknesses and our own shortcomings, right? And, and so, listen, if that's us today, my encouragement would be that we would evaluate ourselves in an objective manner before the Lord, and what I mean by that is, is this, is, is do it in a way that honors him. I'm not saying go and break yourself through the coals and come in shame and guilt. That's not God, okay? That's, that's just as wrong as going, getting all arrogant and prideful, okay? But, but actually get before the Lord and go, Lord, am I missing something? Like, what do I need to see? And the reason this is important is because if we try to be everybody else's voice, then guess what? We actually shut off the Holy Spirit's voice in our own life. Right? And all I'm saying is, man, is, is if we want the voice of God open in our life, then we need to be tender before him. 
we need to take responsibility. So the lastly is this, is, is when we accept responsibility for our past, it actually allows us to be responsible for our future. Now, if you haven't heard anything that I've said today, this is really what I want you to hear, okay? If there's anything that you take away, please hear this. I realize that we define responsibility in maybe a lot of different ways, but responsibility really boils down to two words, and it's this. It's hope and authority. Hope and authority. And here's what I mean by that. When we consistently blame other people or past circumstances, wherever we're at, we're not only giving away our peace, but we're actually giving up our authority to choose something different for our future. Does that make sense? Listen, and that, my friend, robs us of our hope. And the reason it robs us of our hopes is because if we think what today looks like, it'll always look like that because we're so focused on what got us to this point, it, our tomorrows really will never look any different than today. So, so listen, we, we may be completely unaware that all that's taken place, but until we take responsibility, we're going to continue to filter every decision that we make through our past, which in essence keeps those people or that circumstance in control of our lives. Let me ask you a question. How can you and I actually, as God's people, as God's kids, how can we be led by the Holy Spirit when they are in control? Are you seeing this? When they are in control, it removes the authority that we have from God, right, to be his kid and to actually co-partner and to walk in intimacy with him. What happens is, is it removes that authority to know him, and it, in essence, that person or that situation becomes our Lord and our master, not him. So here's the overarching point for all four of those things. Is I hope we understand today that until you and I are willing to take responsibility for where we're at mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, there will never be a basis for us to move forward in God. If I'm so focused on all of that, how can I move forward? So listen, over the next six weeks... I'm going to give you some other decisions that we need to make as believers, but I need you to know that this, this is the foundational decision that needs to be made if any of the other ones are going to work. Because see, here's the good news. I need to leave you on a little positive side here. It is, is that when we actually take responsibility, we get a pretty cool privilege. And the privilege is this, is we get to steward our identity in Christ we get to steward the measure of faith that we've been given. We get to steward, right, the revelation we've received. We get to steward the grace and the favor and the anointing of God on our lives. We get to steward the gifts and the talents that he's placed in us. We get to steward, right, the blessings and the provision that he's placed in our lives. We get to determine, right, 
our spiritual growth and our development. We get to steward our relationships not only with our family but also with our friends. Like, are you seeing this? If they stay in control, none of that happens. But if we let him be in control and we take responsibility of all the things we've talked about, then guess what? We get to have authority and a say-so in that area. Can you stand to your feet, please? Before Pastor Chris comes and closes us in prayer, I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to give you a few questions just for you to kind of ruminate in your own soul. Here's the questions. Is how can taking responsibility for where you're at right now, how can it impact your life in a positive way? Because I'm convinced that if every person in this room takes responsibility, your life would dramatically change. How do I know? Because I started that journey years ago, and the Holy Spirit's still helping me on that journey. And I can tell you it's changed my life. So to even ask today as we kind of walk through some of the things we said, do you need his mercy today? It's a great day to repent. (laughs) Do you need healing release today? Because it's a really good day to be healed. Like, do you need to move forward in him? Do you need to shift your focus from someone and something to him today? Do you need to stop blaming folks today? And lastly, and maybe most importantly, do you need to get your hope and your authority back today? Because you can. I think all of us have some places in our lives where um, maybe we need to take responsibility. Um, So just in an act of surrender, I'm just going to ask that we all raise our hands as we pray. And just think about those areas in your life that God's been nudging you. You need to start taking responsibility in that area. We're just going to pray into that. Dear Lord, I just pray that you would show us what it means to take responsibility today, God. And bless us for making decisions to change our ways to your ways. Let us decide today, Lord, let us make up our mind to make up our mind to be who we say we are before other people, to be what you desire us to be before other people, to be what you have called us to be. Lord, help us to be done with the excuses and let the foundation of our spiritual breakthrough be the ownership of our part in our life situations. Walk with us, Jesus, and help us own it. Help us to repent for those things that we're holding on to, those areas that we need to start taking responsibility. Lord, help us to grow up and become leaders in the sphere of influence you've placed us in. Grow us up to be leaders who take responsibility, not only for our successes, God, but also our failures, so that we can model humility and repentance before those we are growing up to be leaders who will one day replace us as leaders here on earth in your kingdom. Lord, we're so thankful for your word today, God. We ask that it would just sink down deep in our hearts and just begin to grow us and help us to see things from a new and fresh perspective, God. Lord, that we begin to see things that have happened or things that are currently happening and and we see it through your eyes, God, so that we can change our part in the situation so that we can be part of the change instead of part of the problem. So Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are, that you're a God of second chances. Lord, we give it to you today and say we wanna do it different. We wanna start taking responsibility. We wanna start owning it. And we wanna start doing what you've called us to do to allow the change in our life to happen. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.